Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details everywhere we go hello everyone my name is rebecca kelly and you're listening to the everywhere we go podcast on this week's episode, I sit down with the Roach sisters, three sisters who have a very special bond. Their story is a story of strength, positivity and selflessness. These women are powerhouses. They run a hugely successful business and family whilst overcoming the hurdles life has thrown at them. A startup business nearly abandoned when at the same time, middle sister Carla is diagnosed for the second time with cancer. Carla's prognosis this time, however, is six months to live or receive a stem cell transplant, with her two sisters stepping up in the hope that they are a match. We chat through the early years as sisters and the carry-on that led to Carla nearly being expelled from school and the horror of her first time diagnosis with the first thought that runs through her head. We chat about her leaving it all behind for Spain with her partner Anto and her beloved dogs and the gruelling flight with the help of some drinks as the others headed over to Spain to give her the terrible news. We chat through the journey of Katie being a match and Christine holding down the fort, maintaining the business to keep them all afloat. This story cannot be told without the glue that holds it together. Gina, their mammy. I'm in complete awe at her strength. And in their own words, the girls said they would be absolutely lost without her. This truly is a lovely story of family and we hope you enjoy. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? We're, We're the, the Roach, Roach sisters, sisters from Old Town. Hi, girls. Hey. Hey, how are you? So grand, three of you here with me today. Yep. And we have mam, Mammy in the background listening in to make sure that you don't make a show of horror. Yeah. I think it's the most important <laughs> thing, is it? Yeah, sorry, Mammy. <laughs> so let's start with your name. Christine. Christine. Katie. Katie. Carla. Carla. And who's the oldest? Who's the youngest? Who's in between? I'm the youngest. Okay. Um, Carla's in the... Or no. <laughs> You're the youngest. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. Katie's the youngest and Carla's in the middle. You wish. Middle child syndrome. Yes. And so just the three of you, where is Old Town? I don't know where that is. Just at the back of Swords. Okay. Yeah. Back at the airport. Yeah, like 10 yeah. minutes from Swords. Really? Back roads, near the Knoll. Oh, okay. Ashburn, that kind of area. And then what was it like, first of all, for you, uh, Christine, growing up by yourself and then all of a sudden, how many years between the two your sister comes along? Four, uh, four years. Oh, it was lovely. And then she came along and then it was all just <laughs> detention went on her. Because it's four <laughs> years between my girls and they absolutely kill each other. Oh, killings all the time. Not now, though. Oh, she was careless to say something. Big bully. I was four weeks old and she actually threw a remote control on my head. Right. Yeah, I really enjoyed having a younger sister. And do you remember those times? Do you remember? 
yeah, I remember like the fighting. Like we used to kill each other. Like the minder, not wanting the minder to quit anymore. Yeah, yeah. quitting all. And then I used to like follow her around, and she'd be out hanging around with her friends. And Mom would say, "Will you just take your sister Carla with you?" Oh, she was a little rat. She was like, "Seems out smoking." <laughs> yeah, I think even you're still ratting me now. Yeah, yeah. I do. I just tell, tell him, Mammy. <laughs> Katie came along then. So, what was that like in the dynamics of you? What was your mom like? Which is, was it like as well? Were you dressed the same? Was yes. There, oh, oh, oh my God. Around. There's actually one picture in the tree of us. No, was it me and you are in like these cords, orange oh, dresses, like, like bright orange dresses? Or, you know, the um, the red body warmers with the horse on the side? No, does anyone remember that? No. no. All right. <laughs> You're on your own. Just me then. <laughs> And then what was that like then with the three of you then growing up? So there's four years between Christine and Carla and then Carla and Katie, how many years? Two years. Two years, okay. Yeah. That must have been tough for you. Oh, so tough. And then with, I'd have to say, actually, um, me and Katie got on probably yeah. fine. Katie never ratted on me or anything, Carla. Oh, the golden child. There's seven years between me and Christine and she used to just like be like, don't tell dad you're doing this and that. Actually, remember in pavilions one Christmas, Christine was grounded and uh, oh, she asked, she said to dad, um, I need to go to the toilet and dad made me go with her. So uh, we didn't go to the toilet. We ended up going outside to a big group of her friends that were waiting outside for her in pavilions. We were gone about 20 minutes, half an hour. We came back and dad was like, where did she bring you? Oh, just to the toilet, Dad. I was afraid to say anything. <laughs> she didn't rat on me, though. If Carla had been there, I'd be like, you're not going anywhere, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I was the squealer. <laughs> and was there always cases like that? What, tell me some things that you got up to that really got you into trouble. And don't mind your mommy sitting there telling you oh, not no. to tell me, but I want you to tell me some some stories. No, I actually think Carla was the worst. <laughs> oh, I do as well. I disagree. Like, Carla got... Um, no, no. Can I, t- can I tell the mom? <laughs> oh, she's, she's telling me that. But I'm going to say, yeah, Carla got drunk in school and got taken <laughs> off in an ambulance. <laughs> When I was 14. 14. <gasps> yeah. Stop it. Come here. Yeah. We've all done things like this. Like, if this <laughs> I was... don't think getting drunk and <laughs> No, we don't. If this was a webcast now, all I could say is that poor mom's face here. She's going to murder them. <laughs> um, so what school did you go to that that actually happened in? Um, myself and Katie went to Gormanston College. Right. Over in Mead. And basically, I don't know. I was, I was in second year at the time. I think I was 14 ish. And I used to hang around with the third years. So they all got their mock results and I, they were just had like the chats on it years ago. It was MSN. Yeah. So yeah. on the messenger the night before and everyone was like, Oh, I'm bringing this in. I'm bringing, and I was like, well, there's no way I can get anything. Yeah. Cause my mom just used to like, Oh, she just watches all the time doing everything. Yeah. So anyway, we went in, they got their mock results and I decided to go on the Mitch with the third years into a field at the back of the school and there was Jemison whiskey, vodka, uh, Budweiser and I never drank before. This is the first time I like drinking. <laughs> Mom's dying there yeah. in the corner. And yeah, I just decided to drink a bottle of Jemison for my first time ever and blacked out and was taken off an ambulance and actually this is, it's pretty funny now, like my mom actually got to <laughs> yeah. draw to the hospital before the ambulance. Oh, oh and then, <laughs> oh God. We won't even relive what happened after. Did she kill you? Yes. 
Yeah. And I was grounded. I got suspended from school. They were trying to actually expel me. But anyway, mammy went up and caused riots. So they had to let me back in. But she woke me up the next morning at like six o'clock, threw a bucket of water over me in the bed. I was green, like in the face. I was so hungover. I'd like, I didn't even know what a hangover was, but I know now after that experience. <laughs> Did they put chicken off? nuggets? Oh, chicken nuggets. Oh, shoving chicken nuggets into my face at three o'clock in the morning on the way back from the hospital. Because she, she was just so angry. I don't know why. <laughs> so she comes to the hospital collect. Where are you two at this stage? Oh, Kate at was home. at home. I Priscilla think I was... lived on her own and all at this stage. Yeah. Christine wasn't at home then. Yeah, I was at home. And did you think this was hilarious? Oh, hilarious. I was living with my dad actually at the time yeah. in town. My dad got a phone call. Oh, <laughs> from my mom. And my mom's like, you better take her. I'm going to kill her. I'm I was shipped into town to live with my dad. And like Bebo was taking off me at that stage and MSN. And I just had to sit in my dad's apartment in town. But then just before then I was allowed back home, Christine decided to take me out in her little red micro and she gave me cans of Dutch gold in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, I would never mother. <laughs> and can you tell me about the, the, the water being thrown over you? Like that oh, must have been horrific. Yeah. I was like obviously asleep. The hospital discharged me at three o'clock in the morning and then she comes like mom came in with a bucket of water six o'clock in the morning, threw it over me. Get up, brought me in for a meeting in the school and all. It was awful. Yeah, so in I was, uniform. I probably was the worst like school time, but now I'd love to be back in school. Yeah, I know. You like you, you take those days for granted, and the things that we get up to. And yeah, I know that with my girls, I just want them to have the best time in school. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It is. It's the best crack. Like, yeah, yeah definitely. And then tell me about your teenage years. Uh, no, we always done the family thing. Like it yeah, was always yeah. like on the weekends, always family, like dinners, yeah. same Christmases. Like we would always go all out at Christmas time because it's literally like the whole month is Christmas for us. Yeah. So we do like our advent calendars and Santa, Santa still comes to us. We yeah. go to Santa together. Get our we still go to year. Santa like the, these. Yeah, oh, that's now. Yeah. And now obviously that Christine has the kids, it makes it more exciting now, but like... Yeah, we still go like we'd go into Stephen's Green, see Santa and we'd get our family photo and all and people be looking at us saying, are you just all like nearly 30? Still going to see Santa with Mammy, but yeah. Oh no, that's lovely. Yeah. God, I wonder if my girls will do that with me. They probably won't, but that's fine. <laughs> we'll try. Um, and obviously then you must have been very protective of each other grown up then as well was there yeah Carla yeah. would be like if you ever had trouble like you'd be like Carla go on down sort them out yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely you just don't want anyone like to yeah you just I suppose stick up for each other and I think that we're more close like the recent years aren't we yeah. since we're all in our yeah. 20s yeah I think more so more so than teenagers yeah we would have always been close but I think now closer obviously our dad died and I got sick and that kind of brought us all closer I suppose how old is when your dad died I was 21 I was 18 25 was he yeah yeah. that must have been very hard was he yeah mm. very sudden he wasn't sick or anything like mm. and uh, I went up to him the night before and had I made dinner me and my now husband and mm. we just had dinner and actually my dad used to love a few drinks but he wasn't in the humour and then the next morning then my mum rang us and was just said your dad passed away. He's just dead in the bed, massive heart attack. He was 51. And how did you just process that as a family? Like, um, a bit of a blur though. Like, even yeah. though mom and dad separated, they were always best friends. So it was still kind of, still like a family, wasn't it, the whole time? See, they and were then, separated and I got sick in 2010. Mm. So my dad came back, he moved back in and we just did the family thing again. And then 
We all used to be mortified. I remember them sitting on the couch being all lovely dove in here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all those years later, did you oh, like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you're the best of friends, weren't you? Yeah, very yeah, close. Yeah. Like. So it wasn't really like... Uh, just like it wasn't a bad experience a, a mm. separation or anything because it was always family and yeah then, it wasn't like we had to process it on our own like and because mm. mom had her own life like you know we just as four of us process it together like very mm. hard but and then when you said that you left in, and you moved into town was that a full-time thing did you come back or did you go on off and start living your own life then um moved into town for a little while and then ended up I was in and out. I kind of went in between the two. And then I moved into my own place. My mom actually sorted that out for me when I was 18. I think I just went 18. You started ranting. And started ranting from 18 on. And I must have moved about 15 times in my life. And come here, at 18 doing that, you must have had some head on your shoulders, did you? Oh, yeah, sure. I always knew that, like, I wanted to leave school for hairdressing. So I left at 15. Yeah. Um, just before I went 16. And I just had it in my head. I'm going to be a hairdresser. I'm going to be um like the best. I just wanted to be the best. That's yeah. all I wanted. Still to this day, I just want to be the best. I want to do the best. Um, Mom had three salons, hair salons. So I was like, Mom, please let me leave. Let me get trained. And she was like, are you just leaving? Because I have the salons and it's just easy. And I was like, no, I promise you, I'm going to be a hairdresser. That's all I want to do. And eventually she gave in because I think I annoyed her into it. <laughs> But yeah, so left school 15 and just done it the whole way through. Just kept going for it and yeah, still doing it now. And then at what point then did you, because you now are busy, own the business together, the three of you's on the business together? Um, me and Katie own the business together, but Carla would be very much involved as well with a lot of the background stuff. So, And then Katie, you do, what, what's your part in the business? Kind of do everything at this stage, don't I? I yeah. manage. I started, I was working in the airport for years and I was fed up. So I went and sent myself on all beauty courses, mm. did everything. So I was a fully qualified beautician, then wasn't even mad about it. So then started into the nails, loved doing the nails. And then me and Christine always kind of wanted to open the salon together. So I... Our plan was to just open it and then eventually I would just move away from beauty and then do the hair and then help run it and all that jazz. So I'm, we ended up hiring nail tech now. So I'm more free to do all the background work. So, um, I can't yeah. even open or read an, an email to an email. So She's Katie not does everything. So me and my mom actually do, do all the background work. We run it from behind the scenes. We always wanted it, didn't we? And yeah. we used to meet weekly actually in Silks, Malahide, mom, remember that? And we just used to talk about what we wanted and when we were going to do it. And time was just never right. And then eventually then two years ago, 2018, I think it was August in 2018. And we agreed, right, we're going to open it. And then we kind of wanted to be open for Christmas. So we had, by the time we signed the lease and everything, we said, right, we have a month to get it open. Let's see if we can get it open. And anyway, we got it open and it's been a major success. But actually the day we signed the lease then, Carla, we found out Carla was re-diagnosed with cancer. So at one point we weren't going to go ahead with it. And then our mom was like, look, life has to go on. So you have to just get on with things. So we ended up just opening it anyway. So take me back. Where's the salon? It's in Swords. Swords okay. Main Street. What's it called? There's another salon. When you said there that, Carla, you were re-diagnosed, what's, talk, what's that about? Talk to me about that. What's So in 2010, I was 17 and I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm-hmm. stage 2B. And then 
anyway, I had my chemotherapy, radiation, I had great eight years. And then I moved to Spain in May 2018 with my now husband and our dogs. And we just decided we wanted a change, moved to Spain. Anyway, we were there. And six months later, I... I had to fly it back and forth like for biopsies and stuff like a lump in my chest was grown it was basically like a third boob and just kept growing and I really to be honest I didn't think anything of it I didn't for the life of me think like I had relapsed anyway um, I got a phone call one day from my mum to say that uh, my cancer is back I relapsed and that she'd be flying over to me the next day so she flew over anyway and I was just like oh my god I'm gonna have to go home for treatment and more chemo and whatever and then mom came over and she told me that uh she didn't want to tell me the full thing on the phone but she basically said to me that I need to come home and I either have six months to live or I need to get a stem cell transplant which hopefully gives me better chance of like not lasting living a longer life um yeah, so I had to pack up within two days and come home. That was the end of that dream. <laughs> and then take me back to the original diagnosis, if that's okay. okay. Yeah. One, you're amazing. Um, but like, because you just seem to be like there. When I'm saying you're amazing, I'm talking to Gina, their mommy. Um, just seem to be there. Like, oh, taking the phone calls, dealing with the phone calls, getting to Spain, getting, getting that, telling you, listen, get your business open. You know what I mean? Mm. So that relationship must be unbelievable between you three. I'll come back to you, Nunes, but yeah. between you three and your mom. Yeah, definitely. We can't even book a dentist appointment without my mom. Literally. <laughs> she literally does everything. Sort and everything. Oh, she does everything. <laughs> everything. Everything. Like I'd say, oh, mom, a letter come in. What do I do? Screenshot a send and she has it sorted back within half an hour it's done or done and dusted and shows everything so take it back to the original illness yeah you're 17 yeah what does that do to your head when you was was there symptoms what was the symptoms what was happening with you um see I originally was I had a cleaning job okay and I started to get a pain in my arm but I just put it down to like I was cleaning a hospital in Blanchardstown you were still you were studying then yeah I was actually I was in college Mm. I only had started college uh, finished my leave insert and stuff and I just got a pain in my arm and it was for about like five a good five or six weeks I'd say but I just kept putting it down to um pulp muscles and I went to my GP eventually and I was telling him and he said no it sounds like pulp muscle from because I was using big buffer machines and yeah. stuff like that so then I said, I was in the GP and I said, blah, blah, blah. And I said, by the way, pins and needles in the tips of my two fingers. And he said, okay, you need to sit back down. And he sent me for an MRI. My mom was actually away at the time. And so my Nana was ringing around trying to get appointments and we couldn't. So in the meantime, my mom came home and she booked and organized the MRI went. And, um, it turns out that they saw, I'd like, I think it was around 50 small tumors from my chest, lungs and windpipe. And then when I was sent then for a CT scan they found a 10 centimeter tumor in on my mind your breastbone yeah on attached to my breastbone okay that's what it was so anyway we were back and forth but when I was diagnosed with the first consultant before I was sent on to my oncologist uh the first thing I thought of when um obviously I was 17 I said oh my god I'm gonna lose my hair and I just but that killed me like mm. going to lose my hair like at 17 you don't think like 
cancer yeah it is a major thing but all you think about is your looks at that age mm. I suppose yeah so it was tough but yeah and then what treatments did you get talk me through what, what was the prognosis yeah. um, I had chemotherapy every two weeks for six months and radiotherapy was um, Monday to Friday for four weeks and that was over the course yeah I started I think it was the 29th of November 2010 I started chemotherapy had that for the six months then they gave me a month break and then I every day then radiotherapy for a month so that kind of brought me I think the uh no, May 2011, I think I finished all my treatment. What does that do to you? Like, like your headspace, like, were you really sick with it? Were you like very, very like, I, then I had to get like bone marrow biopsies and there was always something I had to get done all the time. But I was just like constantly vomiting, sleeping. My mom, like I'd be in bed, I could sleep three days straight and my mom would just have to wake me up, basically lift my head up for me to take my tablets. Like it was just awful. And then you go off certain foods and then like with the chemotherapy, like you can get this metal taste in your mouth all the time. You can't eat with a normal knife and fork if you use plastic. And it's just a big challenge for a 17 year old. And I've yeah, it just ruins everything, I suppose, at that age. Like you want to be out. I suppose maybe that's why I'm not the type of into clubbing and stuff, because I never got to do it anyway. So it doesn't interest me. Mm. You know, so your yeah, your life's kind of on hold when all that's going on. And who's the one that's keeping you going? Like, like how do you keep going? Like, I think now what keeps me up, my dogs, obviously, of course. <laughs> but um, I suppose my two nieces. They are the life and soul of the whole family, really, aren't they? They're absolutely yeah. hilarious. Obsessed. <laughs> and actually, Christine, it's Christine has the two kids. Mm. Myself and Katie don't have any. Mm. And um, Izzy, she is eight, and me and her are so close aren't we like oh best God. friends like she idolizes me but like same me and her like abby is great crack i love abby she's hilarious mm. but abby she's not into like staying in my house or mm. but from like day one izzy always stayed with me at the weekends but abby's just a home bird i suppose mm. so me and izzy are just together all the time and then when you're when you're going through that what was that like for you to watching her go through that at 17 Oh, because it's just horrific. Like, yeah, it was just, it's just watching someone like be not a person anymore because she, you were so depressed and she didn't even want to talk to anyone. She didn't want to look at anyone. She didn't want to do anything. She wouldn't even come down for dinner. Because you're too sick. She just went in, she just went into herself and. I actually don't know how she got through it. It was very hard watching her do it and then Mm. to hear then that she was sick again and no one. What she has to do all over again. Yeah, 10 times over. But she always said after the first time, she would never have treatment again. So to me and Katie, when she was diagnosed the second time, we were like, oh, we were like, we're, it, like, we're going over Spain to bring her home to die. Like, yeah, she wasn't going to fight it. Like, and do you remember when she was yeah. sick, when she was mm-hmm. first time around? Yeah, I was 15, wasn't I, when you were diagnosed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me and Carla were really close, like being in school together and all. And then uh, when she got sick, it was tough. Because at 15 year, years of age, all you're really, and even at 17 years of age, yeah. all you're really concerned about is like, you know, going out, meeting boys, seeing your friends yeah. and all that kind of thing. So for your sister then to be so sick <laughs> at that point for you, it must mm. have been. I think if yeah. she didn't have Anto, she wouldn't have made it through the first time. The first time now. Or the second, but I think the mm. first time they were only together. You were only, we're together. only together like um, a year. 
just so like a year and two months or something. Like he was only eighteen. Like for an eighteen-year-old lad, yeah, given he up did, his life. Like yeah. so he looked basically looked after you with mom. Like the two, yeah, two of them. He just did stuck everything. by and did everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but as well as that, when something like that happens, like the whole family pulls together. Yeah, and, like dad moving home, and we yeah. had the best time. Even though you were sick, we had the best time. Great, crack. Like, yeah, yeah, banter all the time. Really, yeah. Mm. And are you the type of person that, like Apple S17 is a little bit different, but were you, were you the type of person that, did you, you lie in the bed or were you like, you know, I need to get through this, I need to get through this or, you know, which way were you in your headspace? I suppose like, obviously, like when you're first diagnosed, you're lying, like not that you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're just like, I couldn't, like people that I went to school with, they were going on nights out, they were going here, they were going there. I couldn't do any of that because I was so sick and then obviously lost my hair. Is that like you're looking at yourself in the mirror saying, why would you even want, like, why would you want to be around anyone anyway when they're looking at you like that? And you just feel like a, a boy, I suppose, because you've no hair or anything. Actually, you're 18. That was the first night that you actually yeah. put a wig on. You got yeah, dressed. and everyone from school came. And the whole yeah, my 18th. Yeah, like nearly the whole school arrived, and it was amazing. Where did you have it? Tell me about it. In Old Town Pub. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, it was great crack. Old Town Pub, like it's a small little country pub, oh, but best like you sense. have. The best crack. The crack, yeah. really. You need to come some nights. Oh, I will now after that. <laughs> um, so you you had the 18, you put the wig on, you got yeah. dressed up. Yeah. Obviously because you are into beauty and mm. art nails and all of that at that time, you probably yeah. had a, like, you know, massive. Do you know what actually, I mean? my mum did my makeup did for you? me for my 18, yeah. yeah. And um, actually, mum had the salon at the time. So Christine yeah. and another girl that worked for my mum, I brought the wig in one day mm. and they'd put it on like the mannequin head. The mannequin head and they styled it and all for me. So they did uh, a big bouncy blow dry in it and my mum did my makeup and back then you had like blue not blue oh, eyeliner yeah. but you know that blue eyeshadow yeah oh god but uh, yeah we, that was I think my first night out but like at the start yeah I was lying in bed not feeling sorry for myself well I kind of was I suppose mm. but then you just have to think like have this like and just mm. get up and on with it and what could you do do you know like I used to get my chemotherapy every two weeks and I'd be so sick like for a whole week but then I'd be fine for the next week and then I was back in. So I just used to have to make the most of it in the second week that I was well. And then you would go on then and you say you are opening the salon mm-hmm. and you get the diagnosis again for the second time. And was that the same? What what was that diagnosis? Tell me. Um, that was the same Hodgkin's lymphoma yeah. again. But this time, rather than chemotherapy will do the trick, it was like I suppose immunotherapy I think just to like prolong like yeah I don't know like they said chemo and then maybe immunotherapy just to give me an extra couple of months or else it was the um transplant so I had I it took a few days and like obviously because they came over to Spain thinking that I was just going home to die basically and then just before actually that night we went on 24 hour piss up if you like (laughs) but I said to them I was like I'll go and I'll listen to my doctor I'm not agreeing to anything but I'm also not saying that I won't have any treatment so I went to see my doctor blah blah blah, in the room I had the chat with my oncologist that like yeah I actually had a good joke that day when he came into the room really yeah all of us were there together in the room like we're such a close family I was like well obviously Christine and Katie my mom were going to be there Mm. and obviously my husband was going to be there with me then there was me and then I I would be really close to Christine and Katie's partners as well Okay. so I was like why not let's just everyone go together have a day out and actually it was Katie's partner he sat at the back of the room with 
with a notebook and taking notes in case afterwards I was like I wanted to know more but anyway we had the doctor said is there anyone here that you don't like and I was like yeah you (laughs) (laughs) but anyway he um went through everything and at the end of it he said, I leave it up to you. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm going to have the transplant because in my eyes years ago, yeah, I, I'd never have chemo again. I used to say that because it was absolutely horrific. I was so ill and obviously losing your hair, your eyebrows, your eyelashes. You just, it's horrible. It's torture. Yeah. yeah. But in my head, I was like, is he an Abby? My two, Christine's mm. two kids. Mm. I was like, yeah, never mind. Us. How could you get? <laughs> no, like, never mind any of my family. I'm so close with the yeah. kids. Like, how could you do that to kids? So I just mm. said, transplant it is. And then I had he to find. He actually said to you, uh, you've actually made it a lot easier for me today because he said I was going to lock you in the room until you decided to have it. Yeah. He just said, you're way too young to give up. Yeah. You? You're only 25. Yeah. And you just said to over her, there. Remember, we were sitting in the pub, and she was like, "This at this stage, we were already probably ten drinks in." No, easily. When she was told the news, Carol was like, "Right, we're going to the bar." So all of us said, "Right." All of us, this all is in down. Spain, is it? In yeah, Spain, right. the journey over. Oh my god, Rebecca, horrific, <sighs> horrific, yeah, absolutely just, horrific. Was it just the two years? And um, and um, and what was that like? Tell me. It's funny when you think about it now, isn't it? Yeah. But it was like, like the journey out, like first of all in the airport, Ryanair had only brought out their new baggage policy thing mm. where you have to check in your hand luggage now. So we obviously just didn't even take note of that went straight to the gate and your one decides to lecture mom about how she brought her case to the wrong area. <laughs> mom burst into tears, told like them, sobbing. if you knew why we were going over here, blah, blah. Anyway, Ryanair were actually brilliant in the end and they brought us on the plane straight away first before anyone else. They gave us a drink. Put, brought us up to the front seats they really looked after us and uh, we laughed we cried we shouted we drank we got drunk <laughs> yeah vodka's orange juice oh. and because uh, in our head we were like she's not going to have any treatment like this is it we're going to have to bring her home and give her a good life and that's the end of it and then sure we got over there and you actually took a very well. I thought in she was my opinion, smash up the whole room. You actually, Mam mm. told her, and Mam kind of just gave her a brief little what the story is, and she just went okay. And she goes, um, right, let's go. We're going to lunch, and then she drank for twenty four hours straight. And she said, "Let me drink." She said, "Don't, don't annoy me. Let me drink, and then I'll go home and I'll do what I have to do." Yeah, and so that, we let her. That's six months. So you were told you'd six months yeah. to live. That was a definite mm-hmm. that you'd six months to live, unless yeah. you. Done something. Yeah, Unless kept, I had the transplant. He kept, like he was talking to us and mom before because he didn't want to ring you and give you the news over the phone. So he asked mom to bring us in and we went in and he just said, I was saying all these technical terms. I mean, Christine were like, just stopped. Like, what is, like, what is it? What is this? Is it curable? And he just said, no, it's not curable. If you don't get her on the plane home, she's only months to live. Yeah. It was actually awful being in the room that day. Like, yeah. and then here we are. We need to book a flight. We need to get over to her. We need to go and see her. And obviously, Carla and Carla didn't know now. Yeah, like only we knew. Obviously, Carla's twenty five, so she's an adult, so mm-hmm. she has to be told her own thing. But he knows Carla from years ago being sick. That he he just couldn't physically tell her the news over the phone. So see, I us. had said that anything like to do with my appointments or scans or results. I said, you can um, give it to the manager, <laughs> give it to the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, because there's no point ringing Spain or whatever. And obviously like mom would be like, they use all these medical words and long words. And obviously I understand them, but yeah. like my mom would listen, take it all in and then explain it better. Say to yeah. me then. 
Yeah, because at 25 or 25, 17, like in your 20s, hearing yeah. all those words. Like at 17, I, like I never heard of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Like it's like lymphoma, you always hear it now. And I don't know if that's just because I mm. had lymphoma or, but it's everywhere now. But like 17, you don't know much about cancer. You don't expect to be diagnosed with cancer. And then definitely not for a second time. You actually had a scan in Spain and they yeah. missed it. No, I had a biopsy in Spain. Biopsy in Spain. And they... Yeah, I got all the results and I was misdiagnosed. They said I'd like a skin disorder. Yeah, we're similar benign, to psoriasis and stuff. But they said like tumors grow or something. Yeah, and it? they said there's absolutely no sign of lymphoma. So I continued on and then the lump in my chest, it just kept growing and growing and growing. Is that how you were noticing it? You were noticing it was... I had pain, like say, under my right boob. Yeah. And I had to always like put a cushion or something under to hold my boob up to stop the pain. Mm. But basically what it was, um, was they didn't say a tumour this time. They said a swelling on my chest wall was grown, but it was literally like third bill. You were actually in pain for months over there because I remember you telling yeah. me and you said, please don't tell mam. So I told Christine and me and Christine told mam. Yeah, because I just know. Tell mam. And as soon so as... I wasn't sleeping. Yeah, as soon as mam... Yeah, as soon as we tell mam, she got on to her oncologist here in Beaumont from years ago and told him and he said it's... he Well, he didn't say it's definitely her lymphoma, but he just said, I don't agree with that. We need to get her home for another biopsy. So you actually came home then. Didn't you? Yeah, I came home here in November. I had a CT scan, but they did the biopsy under CT scan. And then I flew back to Spain that day. Yeah. Yeah, um, you wouldn't wait. No, I wouldn't wait. Because my life was in Spain. My dogs were in Spain and I just loved it over there. There was nothing, not that there was nothing here. Obviously, my nieces were here and my family. <laughs> but <laughs> my dogs, they're, they're my life. And yeah. I just like, yeah, I prefer my dogs to my family. I tell them all the time. <laughs> So that's what happened. So that was the results that you got, Gina. Yeah. yeah. You got those results of the, the biopsy and that's where it yeah. came came out. Then. So I came home then and I was like, I knew I had to have the stem cell transplant. I didn't know, like, I just thought in and out, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they went through it and I needed a donor. So they said they would check they test my two sisters first and if neither of those were a match, they'd go down the line with, say, males. And so anyway, cut a long story short, Katie was my match. Talk to me what, what that test is. How, so the two it? girls had to go in and have blood tests. Okay. And they had to see um, what blood, the, I think it was their DNA and mm. um, there's something. A certain thing in your blood has to be yeah, a Something percentage. in your cells or something had to like match up but Christine like there was a match there she just uh, Katie was a higher match okay so like and is that normal is that no it's very rare they said it's very rare to get a sister like a sibling match like they said to you like we'll test your siblings because that's your best chance but they were like we're gonna just prepare to put you on the non-related donor list anyway because sisters are rarely a match they said wasn't it yeah and they said that what they do is if they weren't a match if I wanted to or if some of my family members like they'd go to like male cousins say they'd go through them first but um, I just decided that if neither of them were I'd just go on the unrelated donor list okay but anyway it turns out that katie's dna i was 100 percent with katie's dna and 100 percent her cell match she was my cell match and how did you feel about that in that moment 
Uh, actually amazing. We went out for dinner, actually, didn't we? It was brilliant. I was actually in little when Christine, we were all on to each other. Yeah. So me and Christine were waiting for the phone call. They wouldn't ring Carla with the result. It has to be the donors. So it took six weeks. Yeah, took ages yeah. and they rang Car- Christine first and they said, unfortunately, you're not a match. And then Christine... I'm a little panicking. Oh my God, is Katie not a match? Yeah, she's not, oh, not going to tell her. She wouldn't tell you. Sure she wouldn't. No, she wouldn't tell And she rang Christine first. So Christine wrote on her WhatsApp group and said, it's not me. Like, I don't know if Katie is. And I said, oh my God, they haven't rang me. So I'm obviously not a match. Like, so we were like devastated. And then I was driving in the car with my partner, Carl. And then they rang me and she said, just want to let you know the good news that you're 100% Carla's match. So if um, you'd like to go ahead with it. And here I was nearly crying on the phone. Like, what? Oh my God. So um, yeah, I told Carla and me and Christine actually arranged a donor party, didn't we? And oh we, yeah, in the best, it was just yeah, the four of us. In like. the best scene, swords we got a balloon that said it's a match, yeah, and a donor or something. And then the best yeah, scene actually party. brought out a cake, like it's a donor or it's a match. It was yeah. brilliant, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's such a rare thing. It was like, oh my god, because we're quite an unlucky family, aren't we? So it was very. Actually, I think it worked out that well that it wasn't me because yeah, I had to still salon. be able to yeah. work the salon because yeah. like the reason that we ended up going ahead with the salon, like was because in our head, right, mom has to stop work and give up work again to, to mind yeah. Carla Carla's husband had to give up as well because it, 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 you need every, everyone to help out so I needed and 24-7 care yeah. like after my transplant or the, like the hospital wouldn't let me home until they knew that I had like around the clock care because I like you can't fend for yourself so our mm-hmm. little business supports all of us. Yeah. It's not just, oh, it's just uh, me and Katie no, on the family. business. Family it's literally the business is f- for only, all of our family. for it, like, yeah, literally yeah. only If we for didn't it. have it, I don't, I don't know what we would have done because there's no way that they'd, we'd, like, they'd be able to survive. Yeah, because we were prepared no to, money, okay, like. we're not going ahead. When we found out with Carla, we were like, right, pull the plug, we won't go ahead. Of it. And it was ma'am who's actually said, like, life has to go on. You need to just pull yourself together and we're going to need the salon. So... Then we decided to just go for it. It just worked out really well because uh, mom obviously had to stop working and to care for me with my husband. And then Christine needed a child minding. So it worked out really well that yeah. they were yeah. they were in the salon front of house and we were in the background. We were minding the kids and just doing everything in the background. And yeah, it just works really well. And how do you like, like I remember years ago, my dad had a mass practice when he was 50, 60, 70 now, so 20 years ago, but... I and I I was doing beauty and I had to give it up because I couldn't function. I actually mm. couldn't function with that going on with him and going into college and doing all that. I just so how did you function? How did you get up every day and get that done? I I wouldn't be able to function if I didn't do anything. Mm. Like see this lockdown, this is actually torture because all I want to do is just do something. Yeah, dying to go back to work. Oh. Like that's all. So well, I, I think I don't I don't think I would have like been able just to not do anything but when you're going through something like that you just kind of have to you just kind of have to just get up and get on with it don't you like you just have to be like right this is the card you've been dealt with like you have to just deal with it so and it distracted us as well didn't it because it was hard enough to see her like that and then mom was minding her the whole time so well, we all played actually, our part. Like mm-hmm. Katie was able to save Carla, like, being able to donate. I was able to get keep the salon going to support everyone. So we yeah, all done we our all part. We together, all played yeah. our part. Katie was saving me. Christine was saving the salon. <laughs> and you said there, like that, you, we've said a few times. I'm off my girly mom. We were saying that um, Katie's the eighth angel. So we used like ah oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Of course, it'd be hard. That was yeah. a match. <laughs> listen, listen, my sister's keeper. Here, mommy, there in the background, mommy's like. 
go, my earth angel saved my daughter. No, but even remember when you were going in and they were doing all the questions now and they were like, is oh, anyone put, putting you under pressure to do this? Are you oh, being forced Rebecca, this? let me tell you. And we were all slagging going. <laughs> so when you go in for the donor process, you have to go in basically sign your life away and they have to ask you, you know, are you sure you want to do it? And like, obviously Carla's my sister, so it's not like it was a stranger. So she brought me in and my mom went to walk in with me and she's actually stopped at the door. <laughs> And she was actually, yeah, I swear to God. Imagine stopping her. Imagine stopping her. I was like, it was me, yeah, ma'am. the two of them were with me. So I was like, right, come on in. I didn't think anything of it. So my mom went to walk in with Carla and they put an arm in front of her and they were like, oh, you actually can't come in here. My mom was fuming, raging. Me and Mammy were actually caught with our ears up against the door trying to listen. <laughs> oh, the nur- or, well, a doctor or something or Liz actually came out of yeah, the room. Yeah, it was the head nurse. And my yeah. mom kept, remember, she kept pushing you going, you get in there and you yeah, make sure you tell like, them you're doing this you make sure now you do all they say and all so I went in anyway and the first thing she said to me she was like look I know this is a horrible thing to ask but we have to ask it are you sure you want to go through with this and help Carla and I was like yeah of course and she was like no but is anybody pressuring you like because you know what happens family members do pressure and I just get I just go to her Liz if I said no to you I actually wouldn't make it out of this hospital alive So, um, no, signed away all the paperwork or, or whatever. I was in there for a good two hours. So oh, ages, because me and mum yeah. had our ears up to the door. They go through everything. Like, I had to have a full medical workup to make sure I was healthy. And oh, some of the questions were a bit mad. But yeah, it was... It was funny. Yeah, but the crack we had was unreal. Yeah. So you're really sick at this point. Are you getting sicker or you're fine and Uh, just waiting on the... No, I was actually okay. I was was having treatment in Bowmount and then um, it turned out that the chemotherapy they had me on, I was in for five days at a time, but the chemotherapy didn't work. I kept having, I think I had two scans in between all the treatment and they said, like, it's still there. It's shrunk a tiny bit, but it's still there. It's not doing what we would have hoped. So they had to put me on immunotherapy called brentuximab. And I had that every three weeks, uh, right up until I had the transplant. And they had to give me that to keep it at bay. And that got rid of it uh, when I had my scan. But immunotherapy, like it only gets rid for so long. So say like I was having that every three weeks and then like it might start coming back again. And then I'm having my next brentuximab. So it worked like that. But I had that right up until I had my transplant. Okay. But I was fine. That wasn't making me sick. sick I was actually, okay. I actually drove myself in a few times for that. that yeah. And then for people like me, like who hasn't really been affected by cancer, yeah. I don't know what those, what that donor has, entails. What's that transplant entails? What happens? Sorry. So Carla had to go through this, uh, it's called conditioning chemo. So it goes on for six days yeah. and it basically is designed to just destroy every part of her immune system and then on so she is her last chemo and then day zero is the transplant wasn't it yeah so i had chemo from the 16 17 18 19 20 and 21st yeah so i had six days of chemotherapy and then normally they actually give people a day break but they just couldn't give me a break they said that it was six days and then on say day zero for Katie then was transplant so Katie was brought in got her cells harvested wasn't Excuse it me, you're forgetting oh, a very sorry. important part okay let Katie talk <laughs> so, so <laughs> before the transplant every day for five days I had to go in and get two injections in my stomach and they're like little bee stings very dramatic but um, <laughs> uh, so I had to get them to basically boost my stem cells wasn't it yeah. so your stem cells oh, wow. are in your bone marrow and they don't come out of the bone marrow they have to be like 
drawn out, don't they? So yeah. Pushed out. So yeah, yeah, so the injections boost your bone marrow. So for five days previous, uh it was it's like uh, bone pain. So your bones are throbbing oh, the entire horrible. time. So you're like an old woman, you're hunched over and everything. So you were slagging you were a wimp oh, Carly no. was going through. Yeah, Rebecca, it was no Carly, you had the same injections. Oh, it's awful. It was horrific. Bone pain. Bone pain. So it was like you could feel even your collarbones, it was like they were throbbing pulsing the whole time. So that was for five days. And then on the fifth day then I went in and did the harvesting it's called so I was put on a machine and I have really bad veins in my arms so they decided to go in through the main artery in my neck so I was on the machine here they were oh you'll be out and all by two o'clock you'll be getting lunch and I was like oh happy days in and out this is easy peasy so I went in for the line in my neck at about eight that morning and then so I was supposed to start as soon as the line went in I was supposed to start but anyway there was a delay they couldn't find my vein and blah blah so I ended up not starting on the machine till 10 so they were like right the machine is saying you'll be done by two happy days so um I ended up being on the machine for eight hours yeah so they basically pull so there's like two or three wires coming out three. of the main one. So your blood is pulled from one, goes into a machine. They separate all they need. So separate your white blood cells, plasma, red blood cells, and yeah. then they get your stem cells and then they go into a bag and then they're brought for Carla or whatever. But um, it, it was just taking so long. My calcium dropped a few times. So they had to kind of, that delayed it. Yeah, eight did. hours later, they took me off and um, they had just about enough, didn't they? Just about enough because then her cells has to go down to the lab and they have to count the cells or whatever way they do it. So I don't think I got my transplant till eight o'clock that night, I think. And mm-hmm. they actually let Katie sit in with me. Yeah. So it was nice. Like my mom was there, of course, and then my husband and Katie's partner actually. And Not that day, wasn't it? They were there, but they had to leave the room, but they let Katie stay in with me. And it was just nice. That, it was just amazing so strange, like that yeah. this bag of cells was inside of her a couple of hours ago and now it's going into me to potentially save my life. Yeah, it was mad. And what's going through your head when you're with your two sisters now? <laughs> um, well, we were, because we obviously slag each other all the time. So we were like, oh, Katie's such a wimp, all Carla's going through and all. But they both had matching T-shirts on that day. Yeah, didn't, didn't it was called Make Account or something. Yeah. Make yeah. Account, yeah. Make Today Account. So they were sending pictures and um, texting I was and are you in the salon? The whole you the salon day. The yeah, I was working the whole day. So I was literally checking my phone in between people at the pictures and c- catching up throughout the day. And then it was more we the waiting to know whether they got enough for Katie. Because mm. Katie being on the machine so long, here's ma'am. If you need to stay on longer, you're staying on longer. Oh, you have to stay Rebecca, I was nearly <laughs> in a coffin and here she yeah. was. Keep her on. She's grand. Punching like her in the arm and all there, man. <laughs> no, it was like, it was seven hours in and they were like, I don't know. You should come out and save your I sister. Don't, yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to get any more out of you. She's like, shut and up and just keep going. My mom was there beside me and my mom was like, pinch my arm. Carla needs this, Katie. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, mom, I know, nearly dead on Dylan. the bed. But then the main nurse came in and she just called us. She just said, take her off. There's no point. And I was like, I'll stay on it if I need to. But what happened was, you're not allowed to stand up. You're not allowed to go to the toilet. You're, once you're on the machine, you're stuck on it. Mm. So I my left side was all numb from sitting down all day. So I was begging them to stand up. They wouldn't let me. Anyway, we were nearly at the end and they said, right, you can not stand up. You can turn around and put weight on your leg. And sure, I turned around, went to stand up and I was gone. 
collapsed. So then the head nurse came in and your she said... Your mum's standing over saying, get up! My mum was like, lie down, lie down here, you're grand there, now keep going. And uh, then the main nurse came in and she said, no, like we have to look after our donors as well. So they kept the main line in my neck and they said, look, we might keep you overnight and get you to go again. Because normally they take as much as they can. So if she ever were to need it again, then the it, would, it would be in the yeah. freezer, but they couldn't. So um, I think though at that point, didn't we think like this was the worst Carla was going to be? We didn't expect then how sick she was going to be. No, we thought for the weeks like after. That we thought trans- this was the big thing. We thought thing. the transplant, right? That is, she's going to be fine now. But actually, my cells are were obviously are like a foreign thing to her body. So she actually reacted really bad, didn't you? Yeah, she had like. It was, it was touch and, It was touch and go for a while after the transplant. Yeah, right. We paused there for a minute. We make a quick cup of tea. Yeah. yeah. So we just took five minutes and um, off mic, we were chatting through some other things that we're going to come back to. But we finished there on the two of you being in the room. Basically the bag hanging up and uh, just connect the line that I already had in. And the cells, it literally took, I think, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, if even. No, and like half an hour. Yeah, maybe. But we were just like, is that all? We were expecting something major <laughs> to happen. And we were and like, then that oh. was it. They just took the bag and they were like, you know, now you're done. <laughs> and we were like that's a bit of a letdown like yeah and we were really excited for yeah. something like but yeah. then it all hit then at like one o'clock that morning then yeah so me, we, for me like yeah we thought it like me and christine were like that's grand like she'll have transplant i was like i'm not gonna be sick be, now she'll be on the mend and then and now it was a couple of hours later then and i actually was so sick during the night and i said please call my mom i need my mom here with me there we go mommy again went to the rescue <laughs> but they wouldn't anyway it was one o'clock in the morning so they just like I was put on morphine drip. So what happened? Like what happened? So you're like anticlimax for you. You yeah. leave the hospital. Yeah. So I, that night then they took the line. So they realized they had just about enough for Carla then. And they just said to me, you know, if there's a chance you may need more of yourselves, you'll just have to come back in because we couldn't get enough. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Cause thinking I wouldn't need to come back in. So they took the line out of my neck that night horrific and then um, me and my mum went home then half past six two of us went back and um, that when you went home was there an outburst of emotion with it? yeah so I was just absolutely drained my eyes sunk in I was grey in the face obviously because they essentially took all my good stuff out of me to give to Carla so they just said to just take it easy for the next week or so and um, I should naturally come about but I was absolutely whacked for a good week the next day, actually, um, me and Christine were nominated for Best Salon in Dublin oh, with 98 God. FM Best of Dublin Awards. So the next day was the award show. We were invited to the Guinness Storehouse. So I, Christine was like, look, we won't go if you're not up to it. But I felt like I was there for Carla, so I had to be there for Christine the next day. So I got up anyway and I went and... How do you do that? I actually don't know how I'd manage that because I got so... When we got there, like I was fine. I was just kind of hunched over with my neck, bit woozy, like bit sicky. But we got into the storehouse, got a drink. I didn't drink alcohol. They told me not to go near alcohol. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Call after having the step, the harvesting done. So I just got with 7up or whatever. They were having a few drinks. And as soon as the awards show was over, I was like, I need to get out of here because I was so dizzy. I was nearly fainting. So we just wait, went for the awards show and, um, left then after it and then I was just whacked for a few days and I naturally came about after about four or five days but um yeah it was really bad for you then wasn't it so in the meantime then you're in the bed mom's gone everyone's gonna be on your own yeah yeah because I you're in your uh, room on your own like Christine and the kids like I wasn't allowed to see them like I hadn't seen them in weeks and um, then you're in an isolation ward so yeah so you're on an isolation like a prison yeah mm-hmm. and you have your own bathroom and the windows don't open now they have all filtered air and stuff but mm. like you can't even open a window and you're basically just staring at it like a railing yeah because like time the transplant is there to build her a new immune system yeah. like I wasn't so allowed to leave the room she's like no, no sort of immune system whatsoever so even by opening the window she could get sick and die like literally yeah, couldn't you literally so it was like I was grand I was lying in bed and I was like oh my god is this all and then obviously anti-climax and then one o'clock in the morning hit and I was so ill <laughs> obviously the cells were in my body and they the way they explained it it was like Katie's cells are foreign to my body and my body aren't you like don't know these cells and her cells have to try and attach to my bone marrow and or my body is attacking her cells because they're foreign and then just pain everywhere vomiting anything you could think of happened and then like my like I got my whole mouth was covered in blisters um I got rashes everywhere my hands actually all cracked and were bleeding they were so bad it was called graft versus host is what they call it so I had like 13 skin biopsies so I'm the host because it's my body and Katie's they call that the graft so it's her it's graft versus the host okay it's her cells against my body and uh, like that can be life-threatening but Anyway, I got that. They put you on, I think I was on 190 milligram steroids or something at one stage. It was just awful, but anything you can think of happened to me in there within two days. Oh, I had, your face. Remember the yeah. size of your face? Mm. Yeah. Moon face, it was called. 
And your yeah. hands are so swollen, you actually couldn't bend them at one stage. I couldn't bend my hands, even the backs of my legs. Like my mom had to shower me, the nurses had to shower me, like my mom had to dress me. It was just awful. Like your dignity is just gone. Like, yeah, it was awful. But those nurses in there are, they are earth Unreal. angels. Unreal. Burkitt's Ward in St. James's. They're really, they are earth angels. Mm. At what point did they know it's a success? Um, well, a hundred days after your transplant, you have a scan. A PET scan I had to see, like, was I because before the transplant you have to be in remission. Um, so I went into remission only because of the immunotherapy. So that was fine. Went in, had the transplant, the hundred days. I had the scan, and I was still clear, which was amazing. So, but like, you don't really know if it's a success. Um, for a good while, I suppose. No, I had my yearly scan then. Yeah, in May last year, and I. I assume that's how, you know, it was a success because that scan was still clear then. And then take it back then, because I didn't realise that's how long it takes for yeah. you to be a success. At what point do you get out of hospital? Are you still in hospital? What, what's happening in those times? Um, I was in hospital for seven and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um, after three weeks, I was crying to the doctors, please just let me home. They couldn't because I was so sick. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I was in a wheel, like my mom used to have to wheel me in a wheelchair out to the front door of the hospital just to get a bit of air at that time after my transplant when they would allow me out, but I had to go out with mask on, gloves, I wasn't allowed to touch anyone, I wasn't allowed to see anyone. Um, yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't walk. Like when I was talking, all my voice was like uh, real shaky. I was just, I couldn't hold a kettle when I like eventually after I think four, four and a half weeks, they let me out for like, I used to call it daily release, like, mm-hmm. like from prison. And mm-hmm. um, they'd let me out for a couple of hours during the day. So my mom would come in and collect me, uh, leave me at home. My husband, she'd go home and then she'd come back and collect me. And I'd have to be in say four or five hours after, like back into the hospital. But they used to let me out on, um, day visits then and then they did that for about two weeks I think and then they let me out on a night visit but like when you go home at night it's like I think I was on at one stage I might have been on 50 tablets a day so you're at home and you have to make sure you're on every medication my husband would be lying there and I'd like he'd have to link me into the toilet and if I had a bath like I had to always have someone there with me to lift me in and out of the bath I couldn't do it on my own like Katie had to come over one day and she bathed like she actually had to wash me like like I'm the type of person I don't care. Now, I wouldn't let a stranger bath me <laughs> mm, now or anything, mm, mm. but because you, you can't do it yourself. So you need all the help. But yeah, it was it was horrendous. But seven and a half weeks I was in in total before they'd let me home. And then I'd be in hospital on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And you'd be in there for hours like and then you'd have weekend numbers to call. And like if you were in any way sick, you had to ring them. Because it's so dangerous. But I'd literally sit up in the bed and I'd just be vomiting and couldn't make it to the toilet like to get sick around. It was just on the bedroom floor and everything. Awful. I couldn't actually eat for weeks. In hospital, I didn't eat for four whole weeks. Ice, we, ice cubes, I guess. And we thought like the hardest part was those six days of chemo. But it yeah. actually wasn't like... It's, just and did you off. know that this was going to happen? Like this was the fight that you were going to have... They told me I would be extremely sick. I didn't expect to be as sick as I was. Mm. I don't think you realise how bad it was until they told you to but get your said, affairs in order. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they said I had to get all my affairs in order because the transplant, there is a high risk of death okay. with the transplant because the graft versus host is like what would be so life threatening. So I had to get all my affairs in order and 
you don't be thinking like I've, I don't have anything on my dogs yeah. <laughs> and my dogs on my car like so I was thinking okay and like say my bank account or whatever but and then like you don't really know what that means like at tw- 25 you're like what, like get what affairs in order like I don't have anything then Christine rang me one day anyway I ended up getting married and it- no you can't go anyway yeah okay. <laughs> you can't do that to me so hang on so this is before transplant before so you came home yeah. talk to the doctor you're at home in Ireland and a few weeks after they tell you or at that in that moment they tell you to get your affairs in order? No, a few weeks after. They tell you to get your affairs in order. Okay. Yeah. So for you as a 25 year old, you're saying you have nothing to get in order yeah. other than your dogs, but there is, is does your, yeah. your, your boyfriend at the time. Yeah. So who came up with the... We were actually talking about it, weren't we? And you just said, yeah, Christine just we said, I think she needs to, for Anto's sake. Yeah, because we were just, I was just worried that like, because they were, the whole time they were talking about because she could die of this or she, this is going to kill her and this is going to, so it's always like, okay, so we, in our head, like, okay, she could die in two weeks. She could die in six months. She could die in three months. We just don't know because we didn't know how bad the transplant was going to be. Now we did obviously hear stories and read other people's like Instagram accounts that are going through similar. So I, I was saying it's Katie. I actually think that the two of them, like they've been together like years and years, like they'd always, they're always going to be together. And I was saying like for his sake, not just hers, like to make sure Anto was looked after if something ever happened to Carla. Because I think if something ever happened to Carla, that would be the end of Anto. Mm, yeah. I think it would be like he would be dead within 24 hours if she was dead. Because how long are you together at uh, that point? Well, it would have been nine years. We're together 11 years now. And were you engaged at the time? No, no. I didn't even get a proposal. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so you did just decide. What, I was just saying to Katie, I was like, like they're going to be together forever. Like they were, they were obviously going to get married at some point anyway. So I rang Carol. Like he's not like, the type to get down no, on the one. No, knee. it's never going to happen anyway. So I tell him to get back up. Christine, <laughs> Christine was like, Carla, Carla, like, like we think you should do it. Like now's the time. Why not? Like, you know, like you have to think of him as well that like if something did happen to her, that he would have a bit of security like that he would be looked after because you know like the widow's pension the widower's mm, pension yeah, yeah. and stuff and we're like Carla be realistic like if you're if you're gone he has absolutely nothing he'll be left with two dogs and he, he hasn't actually been lives working because he's been he? yeah he literally lives and breeds her right like if she wasn't he around co- I'm like the way we are my mom like do this do that can you do this or like that's, that's what he's like yeah. with me yeah that he couldn't live without you because you do all that for him or he does all that for you I do it all for him. (laughs) (laughs) But I suggested it. I was just like, Carlo, just think and you were with me. I went mad, didn't I? Uh, You were like, no, get get real. What are you talking about? Get real and I fucking get married. And I was like, yeah, but Carlo, I was like, you need to be realistic. And um, so I'd rang up... the no, and at what no, point on. no you didn't man did <laughs> no I rang them oh, on the date and everything yeah and at what point do you involve him <laughs> no he knew we'd already said we were just thinking and he was like we're just fuck off we're not getting married like you yeah. know and we were like no Anto really like like this like if she's if something happens to her I was like at the end of the day like you'd be giving her her dream 
And I said, like, we you, basically had to get real. Yeah, they had to just mm. cop on and be like, right, re- be realistic. If they're Grow married, up. Yeah. he would mm. be then her next to Ken. Yeah. Now, obviously, he wouldn't be like, Gina, you're not having any involvement, right? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He'd say, Gina, more, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> it was more like the two of them were made for each other. They probably got married anyway in a few years. Mm. But I just think the time that was in it, they, we, need, we all needed something to kind of yeah. give them something to live for and give us something to, like, you know, look forward to. And then he was like really like we were like yeah we just want to get married and then in the end you just said yeah we were just uh, we proposed to them I actually <laughs> said yeah I don't mind but like I don't have the energy to do anything so they yeah. just had to organise everything Christine, Katie and my mum so what was that like what did you do tell me um, well I didn't plan my own wedding my mum actually just took over because I was like I'm not getting married Feck this Mommy so again. <laughs> she just basically planned the whole thing for me mm. and then I planned my friend's wedding okay so I was like, I actually enjoyed doing uh, planning for somebody else. So I said, like, Carla, I'll help you do this and I'll help you do that. So then Mammy was off sorting all the bits out and she's like, I have this done, I have that done. And Kate's like, I'm after sorting this, I'm after sorting that. And then I was doing it. So we all were just kind of in a group, like saying, we done this, we done that. And here we are, Carla, this is this, what's happening. And here she's, yeah, okay. And you're getting married on this date. It was the day after your birthday, actually. Yeah, 7th of January. January 2019. And um, yeah, it all just fell into place. <clears throat> but it was a real small, intimate wedding, like just a dinner um, after. It was lovely, wasn't Did it? Did you put on a dress? Yeah, not uh, not your typical wedding dress I, on, online. Yeah, oh hello clothing, wasn't it? Yeah, oh hello clothing. My actually, I didn't know. My mom just sent me a picture one day and said, "By the way, ordered this dress for you." <laughs> it was three just like, weeks. yeah, it was the whole thing was organized in three and a half weeks. Oh my god! Yeah. And it was the best wedding. My uh, wedding ring, uh, no wedding band and engagement ring was actually my mom's. That like her and my dad got married to. So and I always wanted the ring. Yeah. So yeah, we used rage when she got that ring. No, no, they never wanted it. They don't like it. <laughs> no, no, it was a nice ring, but I was like, nah, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> you were lucky there. So you got your mom's rings, then. yeah, mom's rings, and then my mom ordered the dress online. Used Christine's bouquet that she used for her wedding. I used my mom's uh, shoes. shoes bag. Christine did my wig because I had no hair for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Katie did my makeup, and uh, Anto's mom's. We got ready in the honeymoon suite. And we all got ready together, even the lads, yeah. Anto and Christine. Where did you get married? Uh, in the registry office in town. And then we had our afters in Kettle's Hotel. Very good. Yeah. And it was actually the best wedding, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Everyone said, well, the 18 people that were there. <laughs> well, I don't like many people. So <laughs> like a small intimate wedding to me. Yeah, I had to be back in Palmenta at 11 o'clock that night. So that was kind of shitty. You didn't know you were getting out that morning either. No, we didn't know till half 10 that, mor- that morning that I could actually go ahead with the wedding. And are you telling the doctors like... We need her out. We need her to get married. And the nurses and I'm making a the fuss. The nurses, they were all behind me on it. And all the nurses, actually, me and my mom got to leave at half ten. We had to drive straight to Kettle sitting we to meet everyone. And uh, the nurses were all clapping outside my bedroom Aww. and all. But I had, yeah, to be, we had to get a court exemption, actually, four years to be able to get married. And on the condition as yeah. well, that if she couldn't get married that day, that with the court exemption, she'd be able to get married a different day. So Kettle's were on standby. The registry office were on standby that they knew yeah. it might not go ahead that day. But it might be another day. How emotional is that? I think at the time we were just enjoying because it was something yeah. to talk about other than when you the look, when you look back sick. now, you're like, oh my god, that was so emotional, such an emotional day. 
But the, uh, like the day of, it's like rush, rush, rush. Not like a, not like a bad rush. Like, but mm. you're kind of rushing around to get everything done, and then you're sitting down for dinner, and it was amazing. But I had to be back in Bowman at eleven o'clock that night, and when I got back, the nurses had fairy lights all over my room and signs, just married. Oh, yeah, yeah. bed and all beside yeah, they your rose bed. petals on my bed, and they had a pull out couch for Anto in the room for him as well. Stop. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, and then the next morning, the kitchen lady brought us in. She knocked on the door and said, "Two full Irish." Yeah. Did they not have to get security up to open your room up that night? Anto locked the door of the room to get changed out of his suit, and they thought we were having the funny business in the room. <laughs> and they had to get security with the master key to open the my uh, hospital room, and because I, I had to get go back for a blood transfusion, that's why I had yeah. to be back at eleven. And I fell asleep and the security had to open the door. They thought we were in having the nookie in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god! And then the full Irish the next morning. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it was so funny. And yeah. then obviously, then you're months later. Then you're still in the hospital, and you have to transplant. Then yeah, that's the timeline. Yeah. yeah, I went to St James's for the transplant, so that was in the January, and then from January right up to the transplant, I was in Nettle Bowman getting chemotherapy and immunotherapy and scans and bloods and all that all the time. So that was on. That was constant. And did you have photography and videography on the day, or what not you? videography? We yeah. got if the same photographer that did Christine's wedding, mm. and he came and oh. I must show you the pictures they're amazing what was that like getting the album he put it on a USB stick and made up like a little five minute video clip uh, like with a song in the background and then going through all the pictures and yeah but like we were getting married and actually there's one funny clip in it and we're doing what you call them the vows and I'm or uh, Anto said my awful wedded wife instead of lawful he said oh um, no, it was hilarious. And we just like were wetting ourselves off and it was so funny. God, okay. So I'm going to pause for a second and I'm going to just move my chair and bring you in a little bit, Gina, because I actually want to ask you just through all this and listening to all this and I need you in a mic. So pull your chair over for a minute and just... So I've just brought... Mammy into it because Mammy. <laughs> I just want to um I'm gonna send you out now in a minute again for saying it get out. Um but um just going through all that with the girls and obviously their relationship, how the hell did you get through that roller coaster? I think I got through it because of the girls and their the nature that they are and how fabulous they are. Like they are, they're not just sisters, they're best friends. They really and truly are. And I think over the years with Carla's illness when she was 17. It just brought them very close together. And even when Jerry came home that time. And we did have, we, we kind of just tried to focus on all the best things and the good things that can come out of a, a really shitty time. Sorry. But um, yeah, so we did. We just tried to just pull together. and You just pull together. You just learn to deal with it. And then what was it like on the wedding day watching her? Obviously watching your daughter getting married is such a, so emotional in any way, but like... Yeah, I think I used to have my little meltdown and breakdown away from the girls I didn't want them to see me and so sometimes I'd often go for a drive and go around the back of the airport and I'd have a little meltdown and then I'd pull myself together but very emotional um, oh I fell apart I walked her down the aisle oh, did it you? was lovely yeah. absolutely lovely and um, yeah just so proud to see them you know just these childhood sweet stars that didn't know what was ahead of them what life was going to be like but I kind of I always stayed positive said she's going to get through this there was times I didn't mm. think it would happen. She was really bad and it was touch and go a couple of times. But um, no, she got through it. They're amazing. Honestly, I am super proud. They're the best. 
Earth Angels. Yeah. yeah. My Earth Angels. <laughs> my Earth Angels. And you're and obviously then the boys, the partners as well, then. Oh my God. I have I'm so lucky to have three son in laws, the type that they are. Uh, Christine's husband and Carla's husband are brothers. Yeah. And Katie's <laughs> Katie's fiance. They're getting married this year. They, the three of them are best pals oh, and yeah. they're so close it's unbelievable so I'm really lucky and there's a lot of support there you know it's great but yeah it's very emotional as a mother to see like it wasn't just Carl. Carla physically went through it but the girls mentally had to see their sister like for the last 10 years sick and she'd be in and out all the time but um, yeah they did it they did it together yeah, and we were saying earlier on when we sat down together, um, obviously Gina and I are friends a long time, and um, that Katie, when Katie was a match, yes. What did you you told me about St James's? That was the first. Was it? Oh my God, we couldn't believe it. It did take six weeks, and I think they had to do one final test that had to go to Germany, wasn't it, Carla? Yeah, and um, because Car- Christine was a match, but they wanted to do something else, and then two weeks later, Katie came back at a hundred percent, and that has never happened with a sibling sister. It's quite rare. And they were all blown away by that as well, which is great. So we kind of knew then mm. 100% like she's a serious chance of survival here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So like it's still like she's a lot of hospital appointments and she's backwards, of course, very well looked after. Very. Changes. Yeah, she needed she needed a top up in August just gone. So I remember I was saying if uh, they had taken enough out of me, I wouldn't need to go back. But you ended up having to need another top up. Yeah. Just in August gone. What's the reason? Because there's a certain percentage that it's called CD3. It's your chimerism has to be, it should be at 100%. But mine originally was at, I think it was 93, but it had dropped because your immune system is just so shit and low. So it had dropped down to 68 or 69, I think. And then it went up to 74. So they said, we're going to go ahead. Because if you're like, under like a certain amount of percentage there is a chance of relapse after your transplant so they need you up high so I had my top up and I'm now at 89% and I had the blood test done again yesterday so in two weeks we'll know if it's gone up to 100% happy days and if not then I'll have to get another top up but they got enough out of Katie for the top up that the rest of her cells are in the freezer at the moment in the hospital so if I do need a top up we don't need Katie to come back in do it again and you said there earlier on you said that you were unlucky but a lucky unlucky family but you're so lucky the fact that the like Katie that, was a match to us that was like winning the lotto yeah really truly literally nothing else matters after that mm. nothing because Not you have a, a non-related donor it's really not really a good chance at all sure it's not no there's more of a chance that you'll relapse with a non-related donor okay. so yes we are Quite unlucky in certain circumstances, but we're very lucky at the same time. Is that time. just around around your illness that you think you're unlucky? No, I, everything. I, I actually just think. You, <laughs> I actually think you you get what you make out of it, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, like, even though yeah, our dad died, and yeah, Carla got cancer twice, and yeah, Mam nearly died of sepsis there in between all that. <laughs> but you just kind of you just can't get on with it. Yeah. Like you have like, to just keep living. What's the point in dwelling on it? Yeah. And then what was it like for you watching the two of them go through it and then you're so worried about these two going through it but then the other one then is trying to run a family and our business and get that going? Well, what I used to find, Rebecca, when Carla's in the hospital, I could be there 14 or 16 hours a day with her because she didn't see her husband for about six weeks because... See, he moved in with Christine and and he was around the kids and kids obviously pick up flus and colds and everything. So he couldn't come in. So I think for about three and a half weeks, he couldn't come in. So my mum was there with me all the time in the hospital. 
and we had a whiteboard in her room. And so I used to do the daily board and I would say to Christine, Christine, you keep sailing the ship, you know, obviously mm. with the travel yeah. business and then did the hair. And then to watch the two of them, do, then I was really concerned for Christine as well. And I was feeling worried about her because does she feel left out? But yeah, no, but she said to me one day, I have to keep this going because this business is keeping the family. I had to leave the travel again. I'd only got back into to, to look after Carla with her husband. So, um, yeah, no, just kind of keep going. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, it's, as a mother to see, it doesn't matter what age, it's horrific. But it, it was the three that went through it. And then their husbands went through it with them. You know, even the, the kids. But yeah, we, we, we had a tough time, but we, we just made the most of it. Yeah, you just have to get up and on with it. Well, when you think about lockdown and stuff like this year, having the whole COVID, like Carla's in lockdown over two years now. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. I had to self-isolate. Like I couldn't be around people that I like wasn't used to being around because my immune system was so low anyway. Mm-hmm. And like even way before the pandemic came in, I wasn't allowed to go to shopping yeah, centers or life anyway. supermarkets because that was my life. So this lockdown, I'm I, the first lockdown. I was delighted because I was like, now you all know how I'm feeling. I couldn't <laughs> go anywhere. But this lockdown is shite. And then Christina, how do you, because obviously who's the oldest, your daughter? Isabel? Uh, Izzy, yeah. Izzy's nine. So how do you explain to Izzy what Carla has gone through? Um, well, I think because from a baby, she always knew that Carla was sick at one stage. She's seen pictures of Carla with no hair. So to her, she's always known cancer. Like she's always known that that's Carla's illness and that's what we all like always have in the back of our heads. Oh, will she relapse eventually one day? It's actually very rare for her to have gone that long in remission yeah. to relapse. So that was a shock. Even the hospital were shocked at that. Shocked. But um, to Izzy, it was just like, when we found out like Carla was going to lose her hair and stuff again, we actually shaved her head on Christmas Day. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Izzy was there and Izzy was like, can I help shave her head? Because it was coming out in clumps because Carla and Anto were living with us mm. when they came back from Spain. So to Izzy, it was just like, oh yeah, she's going to lose her hair again. But like she came home from school one day and she said, oh, one of the little guys in school um, said that his nana died from cancer. Is Carla going to die? And then you're like... Because she's only known Carla's cancer, but she never knew, well, cancer kills people. Yeah. So to her coming home from school and Carla, since I had her, like, um, Carla took her every weekend for a sleepover, no, every Friday night while I was in work on a, on a Saturday, because it was just easier because I'd work late on a Friday, come home, back up for work. So she, Carla was just always with her. So Carla's like her second mammy. So I think with Izzy then, like seeing Carla actually go through being sick. Now she didn't see a whole lot because Carla was in hospital having the transplant. But it was never, it was only that one day when she came home from school and someone said, my nana died of cancer. And then she's like, is Carla going to die of cancer? And I said, no, I said, some cancers can kill people. And I said, "Some sometimes that just happens. But I said, like his nana was old. So I said, Carla's only young, so she's able to fight. Like, And she's like, all right, okay. And she's like, when can I go and stay in Carla's house again? And then obviously we're isolating from Carla at this stage. And yeah. she has to stay away from us. That They just don't FaceTime, didn't you, the whole yeah. time, the hospital and stuff? But Izzy actually started to watch this uh, oh, yeah. uh, program on Netflix. And one of the girls in it has cancer. And she started watching that because I was sick. Okay. So she knows that bit more. But like, she doesn't ask questions, really. No, she, she just... <laughs> She's not kind of, that's kind of in the back of her yeah. and Abby's head now. And mm. sometimes Abby would say, hey, your hair is growing now. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the house, like there's pictures from Carla's wedding day of her with no hair. You're actually like Jade Goody, actually, the day yeah. of her wedding with the yeah. bald head, full face and makeup on. She looked unreal. And um, like when you like, so that's just around the house. So the kids are aware in the back of their mind that 
Well, Carla was sick. Sure, she had no hair. But to them, because Carla has hair now, Carla's better. Yeah. So even now, when I'm saying, "Oh, Carla's in the hospital now this week, getting her bloods done," they don't question anything because they just, to them, that's what Carla does. That's just normal. Mm. They've always known it since you know, growing up. So they never worry that there's going to be that anything will happen to Carla. Mm. But um, I, I suppose we don't tell them a whole lot, though. No. Either no. like they, the less they know, kind of yeah. the better. But we give them so much to look forward to. Yes. We spend one night every weekend together as a family from the time she came home from Spain. So we're together. Like when Carla was told to get her affairs in order, one of the things you had to do very quickly was go to the rotunda. Do you remember that time yourself? Oh, Amanda? yeah. They just said that they wanted to freeze her eggs and his sperm to do all of that. But it was an awful lot for you to take on. Mm. And you both made a decision. Yeah. It was too much for you. So yeah. Carla won't be able to have children. Okay. And when I think what really upset you, you got a letter of the post. Yeah, they sent me out a letter to say I was in ovarian failure. Rather than ring or, you know, tell you over the phone, the letter came out to say, like, obviously. But, but I knew I was going to be infertile after the transplant. I knew that. But to get a letter in the post, like, and it did say ovarian failure. I think that hit you then. Yeah, I was like, yeah. so why would they do that? Like, it's a bit rude. <laughs> it really and, and that said, there are things that... Carla and Anto can do. Mm. So they're kind of thinking about things at the moment. And Christine said maybe they should do what she can. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because, well, I have eggs and or like I have two already and I'm not having any more. So I said, like, if you ever want them, they're there. But I did say I'm not getting any younger. So <laughs> when yeah. you, if, if it is something, she'll have to freeze them soon because once you're over the age of 35, I'm 32 this year, um, they basically won't they won't freeze them for you. So it's just, um, if that's something that she wants to do and whether she wants to use mine or someone else's, that's fine. But I think, um, I probably should freeze mine anyway, because if she does decide in three years or four years that she does want to use them, she has the option there. Cause you're young, Carla. How yeah. Old are you? 27. 27. And how difficult is that decision in that moment that you say, no, I don't want to go into Rotunda and I don't want to do that. Or was that a very firm decision? It was like we were sitting there and I actually brought Mammy with me, me and Anto. <laughs> Mammy came. Mammy actually sat in, in the middle of us in the Rotunda. And because like when I was at that, I was like. Oh. At what stage were you at when that conversation was happening? Uh, you were just diagnosed, weren't you? It was before I started treatment. Okay. It was December 2018 and um, the doctor said, listen, we can prolong the treatment by about two or three weeks if you want. So I said, look, uh, obviously at that age, you do start thinking of family and whatever. So we went into the rotunda and then grand, I had everything done. I had different scans and that done. And then at the end of it, I it's just very overwhelming. And they're talking about eggs and sperm and this and that. And I like me and Anto came out and I was like, what do you think? And we were both very overwhelmed. And the two of us actually said, I think at the same time, we were like, let's just like not even think about this and just go straight in for treatment. So I knew what was ahead of me. We both knew I'd be infertile because once you have your transplant, you're infertile. As well as that, Carla, like you have to think they were saying we'll prolong your treatment and she was already at risk of death anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like, is my life more important or is it worth delaying? And you might not even have eggs Exactly, anyway. yeah. So we were kind of like freeze eggs and delay treatment or just go straight in hell for leather so we did and we'll think of that down the road 
And how did that affect you as a mummy? Well, to walk out of the rotunda that day with both of them, my heart broke for them. Now, really and truly, because I think Anto was doing it because he think, thought she wanted a child. Carla was doing it because Anto wanted a child. But when they thought about it themselves, you know, he looked at her and he said, no way, I might put you through any of that and it will delay the treatment and let's get cracking. There's loads of different options they have down the road, Rebecca. And they can't do. And she, they have hazard sisters. Like as well, you have to think it's not the be on, all and end all to no, it's not. have kids in no. this day and age. So I think she made the right decision with her treatment. Yeah. My dogs do me. <laughs> they were enough. Sure, you're a second mummy to mine too. Yeah, mm. exactly. She's the favourite auntie anyway. Aiden doesn't get even a look in. Yeah. Abby, now I still have a little chance, Abby. No, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no. And then, so did you, when you were hearing this, Christina, do you, are you, is your brain process, are you going through going, do you know what? I think I, I could, did you, like, where did that come from? See, when she, when they told her, like, yeah, she'd a few months to live, I said it the last time when she was 17 getting diagnosed to go and freeze her eggs before the treatment then, because in my head, I'm like, yeah, I know it's important. They need to start straight away. But what if after that you're cured and then you can't have kids and it's that, are you going to be, I should have, I should have went and done my eggs. I should have got them frozen. So she was thinking about it the first time when she was 17 being diagnosed as well, because Carla was studying, um, Montessori, Montessori teaching. teaching. So Carla always wanted kids, um, and loved kids. So in my head, I was like, Oh, like maybe she should have, should have just done it because like what life, Will you not be happy with your life after? Because but the hospital it's didn't, didn't give do. me the option of that. Um, no, in two thousand and ten. Okay. Um, I it was I suggested it to them. I was like, "Can we freeze my eggs because I do want children?" Mm. And they said no. Well, as well as that, you were only seventeen. Yeah. So they're probably yeah. thinking she's underage. Like, are we? Is it worth putting her body through that she's so young? Yeah. And no. at the at that stage in two thousand and ten, it was just chemotherapy and radiation, there was still a chance of me because I was put on injections and stuff to stop the eggs from, you know. Is that what happens when you get a transplant? Um, well, see, the first time around they gave me injections, so my eggs weren't being released. Okay. It basically so, puts you into early menopause. Yeah. The, the injections were putting me into early menopause to like keep, like pause everything. Yeah. And there would have still been a chance to have kids and then there's still a chance that you mightn't be able to have kids. Mm. But then once you've like you're told transplant that you will be infertile. Why? Is that a stupid question? I don't know why. Um, the conditioning chemo. First of all, the conditioning chemotherapy that uh, rips every good in you. Right. So you have nothing good left in your system. Your immune system is so low. So like that like stops your cycles. It stops everything like you've no eggs like your ovaries ovaries start to basically fail and then with so much it's the medication as well you're put on so much medication steroids morphine like your body's just completely ruined and then getting that letter was that just an absolute kick in the teeth to you um I kind of I was like well that's a bit rude there pal like why would you send that in the post and then it wasn't until I went home and like I didn't say anything to anyone I was like that's a bit shit like now I knew in my head I couldn't like I was going to be infertile but then I was like this is definite now I'm actually in menopause now it's gross you know <laughs> but and HRT and everything there. Oh, God. Oh, my life is amazing <laughs> you're so jealous yeah. I know. but that for you because as I said Christina we, um, the fact that you're a young man 
I like to think I'm a young man and not, but like, you know, <laughs> like you're a young man that I know your perception of this would be completely different, even like your, your man, because your man's only concern is her daughter. Yeah, her baby. Yeah. So your perception of this is completely different as a young mammy that you're like. Yeah, because it's like something she always wanted. So in my head, it was just like, oh, should she have just done the eggs, frozen? Yeah. But, um, and she won't have like what you have. No. But then she she could she yeah could now because yeah. you are offering to now she does like she's literally like a second mammy to my kids I'm like, actually like a first but she's like probably <laughs> better yeah probably better than me um, like Izzy keeps telling me I'm moving in with Carla when I'm sixteen and I'm like you can go tomorrow hun <laughs> take my two as well yeah. no <laughs> but um, no she would be unreal as a mammy because she's literally mammied my two kids from the day they've been born and is. When when COVID happened, like was that like like were you struck by fear with all of that? I was so excited <laughs> because I was more or less isolating on and then on my own, and now everyone had to isolate. So I was like, now you can all get a taste of my medicine. Yeah, but what about you? Were you like? This thing could kill we her. We were quite worried, weren't we? Yeah, we were very worried. Because, Rebecca, yeah. we were still in work, like, when this all happened. So we were like, oh, my God, we can't be near Carla. If we're near our clients, like, the public. And for even, like, so we didn't see each other for, what, about eight weeks in the yeah. first lockdown. And then even when we did see her, it was in Christine's back garden, like, six feet away. Christine was checking everyone's temperatures. Yeah. Like, yeah. we were just overly oh, cautious. Yeah, you're petrified because, yeah. like, my immune system... It would be better now than it would have been back in March. And like, you're like, Jesus Christ, if I get that, like my lungs and all that aren't, wouldn't be great anyway. Mm. And then if you get that, you're like, like more or less fucked, I thought, you know. And it was like, like, what if we have it and we don't know? And like, we give it to her like, yeah, yeah it was just a major fear. Obviously, with your clients coming in, yeah. you just have to be. And then it all came cautious. out then that like some people are ace. What's it called? Yeah, asymptomatic. Asymptomatic yeah. and don't know they have it. And like me and Christine were like, oh my God, we could have it and not know and be around her. And like, how would you live with yourself? I just stayed away. And if I was, if I was around them, we were in Christine's garden and we literally all sat like miles away from each other. Had to be done. And I wasn't like, I wasn't allowed to go near the kids, hug them or kiss them. And they were new like that they weren't allowed near me. That was hard as well. That's very hard. Very. Mm. Yeah. Especially with the kids. It's all behind me now, as I keep saying. Yeah, and you yeah. look great. You Thank look you. Fab, like Thank you. The last time I seen you. Yeah. When was that? Last year, two years ago. That was last August, September, I think. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was after my transplant. I saw you. Yeah. God. You gave her a little day out. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's you'd only got out of the hospital. And um, so then, with all that, then in the meantime, your business going strength to strength. Yeah. We had to yeah. expand twice. I think we had to put extra stations in. And knock down walls, knock down walls, add the other stuff. Stuff. Yeah. more staff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just it's gone literally. It, strength, took, it strength. took off, thank God, like from the get go. It's just gone better and better for us. And then COVID, just briefly, let's touch on COVID with Yeah, business. so COVID came in, it was kind of in Ireland, wasn't it? Or mm. in March in Ireland when the first case came about. And we actually closed, we decided to close our doors on the 13th of March. We actually suffered um, a flood in the salon in February. 
the ceiling collapsed and water came in and we were closed for 10 days because of that. And we were just open two weeks and then it was announced how bad the pandemic was getting. So me and Christine made a decision to just close our doors on, I think it was a Saturday, wasn't it? Or Friday, the 13th of March, something like that. Yeah. And we just said, right, that's it. We're just closing our doors. And then I think it was a week or so later then we went into national lockdown. So we were closed for 15 weeks, 16 weeks, maybe. Yeah. And um, every three weeks it was like, Leo Varadkar made his, his announcement and it was like, oh my God, we're never opening back up. And obviously we had suffered a closure from the floods. We were like, oh my God, are we even going to be able to open back up after this? And then thankfully we did reopen. We reopened in the end of June. Yeah. And it was absolutely manic. Like we have a, a brilliant client base, like our clients are amazing and they were just dying to get back into us. So opened up at the end of June and flattened the mat ever since right up until the 21st of October when we had to close again. We were already fully booked up to Christmas by August. Mm, really? Yeah. Yeah. So we had such a backlog, we didn't mm, get through it until September. Yeah. So we were going from June, end of June to September to try to get clear the backlog. So people, we were advising people to rebook. So people were rebooking right through till next year, actually right up until the end of January. People are booked up until. And then you, you just full on this week, mad busy. Hell for leather. Mad busy this week. Yeah, and mental hell for leather. And I'm so glad that you just took a bit of time out to come and sit with me because you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, but so Mammy's probably running around getting all that organised as well. Oh, yeah. Mammy is what we would do without her, I don't know. But she's like, we have... Um, a big extension client base so hair extension so like every like Reggie does the running around for the hair orders she does like if we need like a small shop for the salon she does it like all the accounts all the yeah all she is our accountant basically but no she does all all the stuff we don't have time to do like my my grandchildren don't know what we do without Carla and then through this then I know and I'm going to just take it back to Mammy for a second through this then Gina you lose your dad yes okay I know how, Tell how, me about that. Well, my we had met my mum and dad. They were going away to England for Patrick's weekend and they were going up to my sister in the UK and we had seen them for the breakfast on the Sunday morning. And actually three girls said to my mum and dad that morning, if you go over there, you won't come back because we went into lockdown, I think, a week, a week before the UK. Mm, yeah. So they were over there and then they went into lockdown. So they never got their weekend away. But they end up staying over there. They have a small little house over there beside my sister. And they were locked down for five weeks. And we had spoken, FaceTime, text, ringing. And on the Friday, we spoke to my mum and dad. And he was fine. He was out doing a bit of painting and decking in the garden. And on Monday, he wasn't well. So my brother-in-law brought him to the hospital. And Tuesday, he still, we spoke to him on the phone before we went to the hospital with mm. Carla. And on Wednesday, we'll be back at the hospital again and we spoke to my mom at half past three and she said, no, he's responding to the treatment, which is great. They were given medication. And then I got a phone call at 10 to five to say from Carla to say, you need to get your mom to ring. And I rang and my dad was only given a bit of time and he died God. out of the blue. And there was nothing wrong. He was fine. Yeah. Today. Yeah. So that was just devastating. So never got to see him. I did get over, um, but it was four weeks dead. Katie actually drove me over to the UK but we knew when we did it we had to isolate for two weeks because of Carla and the kids as well so we went over and I spent six so you days you couldn't go to his funeral because of me either. I couldn't go to his funeral well it wasn't because of you 
Because yeah. you weren't well, well, you ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you ruined everything. See, I needed the top up, but they didn't know when. Mm. And I needed obviously mommy need, needs to be there. And hello, the donor. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> so yeah, it was very tough. And does she ever allow herself to break down? No. 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 Uh the only time actually I've seen a Reggie break down was in the hospital that time, Dr. Brannock. When he said, yeah. when he said it was incurable, she put her head on the table and screamed hysterically. And that was the one and only time. And then Do the airport, we're oh, rolling over the baggage. And then the airport now. And then on the plane, <laughs> and they gave her vodka and she was... <laughs> they gave a few drinks. Yeah, that was the one and only that time. Was, yeah. They keep it going. They keep me going. Yeah. They really do, Rebecca, honestly. And, you know, we have a lovely life. I have a fabulous partner. They're, my three girls have fabulous partners. And we're just, we're very blessed. And I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm the most positive person in the world. I'm not. But you can't stare and just keep saying, why well us? Yeah. But, okay, we got hit with a load of crap, but you deal with it. And you get out with it. But there are other people worse off. You know, we have a lot of crap in our lives but we're dealing with it we're coping with it we do it very well but I know of people who have things a hundred times worse than what we have so we are There's very always we're someone worse off. Yeah. yeah you know and my dad died at that time I didn't get to the funeral but you know what Rebecca I wouldn't change it because we gave him the most amazing send off from home and it was all FaceTimed so it turned about my mom my brother and my sisters were over there on their own because only nine people allowed at the time in the UK and we had a lovely social distance in the garden and we balloons we set off balloons and we, d- we just had a lovely time lovely time yeah no it was great honestly it was and very sad and my mom still has got home God. because she was due to come home we went back into level three so she would have had to come home and isolate on her own mm. and I think she's a bit nervous coming home on her own yeah, see, they have such a big house. It's too big for the set. For and she'd be coming home to reality, really, wouldn't she? Yeah, yeah. that's so. it. Mm. So please, God, I'd say she'd be home March, maybe for his first anniversary in April. Yeah. Mm. So tell me then, we'll move on then to your plans for Christmas. Tell me about them. <gasps> plans. Love Christmas. We love Christmas. <laughs> we love Christmas. Our, our dad, like that was his favourite time of the year and the whole way lead up to Christmas, like every Sunday, like the music would be absolutely blaring, blaring from the start of November and mum would be in the kitchen going, will you turn that down? Will you turn it down? Giving out and he'd be like, I can't hear anything. You couldn't be a Grinch in our house. Oh. Christmas movies, Christmas tree. Yeah. It was the best the time. The best time, yeah. yeah. But we have the two kids now and they're buzzing for Santa to come. So that makes it even more exciting again. So yeah, it'd be amazing. Like we'll just be doing dinner and drinks and hopefully if the restaurants get open and book dinners and yeah. We love the run up to Christmas, don't we? Yeah. yeah. We've no like plans as such. Mm. But this year anyway. Should we all have our trees up now weeks already? I have my tree up since the 2nd of November. <laughs> yeah. No Grinchness in my house. No. no. Oh my God. You can be Grinchy elsewhere. (laughs) No, we'll all go to Christine's Christmas morning for breakfast. Then I don't know if Katie will go to her Providing restrictions, you know, all the Yeah, providing restrictions. But I go to Christine's every year for breakfast and I just stay there then for the whole day and dinner and stuff. So I'll do that again. Me and Carla usually crack a bottle open at about 11 in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Matching Christmas pieces. Just after our breakfast. (laughs) So what does the future hold for you? Big things. Yes. Positive things. Yeah. Big positive things. No cancer. No cancer. No cancer. The girls are going to buy 
either land or lovely houses. I was just going to say buy me cars. No, well, yeah, that too, if you want. And what we'll do is they can both build on a garage each and I'll just live in one and Mammy will live in the other. <laughs> Whatever um, yeah. it holds, we'll be doing it together anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that'll be the main thing. Yeah, the four of us and then obviously the lads and the kids. And the dogs. Yeah. Those <laughs> of are course the dogs. <laughs> yeah. And for the business, we just, we just want to see that. Um, me and Katie always had in our head before we opened um, our like five year plan and 10 year plan. So um, we don't want like a big chain of salons no. or anything like that. We just want one really good salon. If we keep it small and try and be the best, mm. um. I think we will work out doing a hell of a lot better in the long run than a big change. Yeah. We always wanted to be different, didn't we? Like yeah. we, like our clients are like friends to us, you know, it's just, it's tightness. Yeah. Like they come to, for us, they don't want to come to a big massive salon with, you know, a million people in it. Like that's not intimate. It's yeah. not, like we come not set and we want it. Like our client, we come across amazing clients, don't we? Like, oh, cause like they, they know our story and then they feel comfortable enough to tell you their story. Like, so. Yeah, we've gotten to know, like... Uh, uh, we've made friends yeah, from it, like a a really, brilliant friends. really, like, great bunch of people. Mm. They must have been great for you then with um, Cara Sickness. They must have been... Yeah, like, yeah. they all know... Our, every, knew, every, yeah. every client that comes in all know our story. They all know about Carla. Um, so... I mean, that's what we love. Like when they come in, they're like, oh, how's Carla doing? And mm. how did this go? And that go in the hospital? Like they know everything And I think that, on. that actually helped while Carla was going through everything and we were still working because clients knew, they knew what was going on and it kind of got us through it, if you know what I mean. Mm. And like so. everyone, like they're all so understanding. Like if it is a thing, like we had to close early a, a couple of times because say Katie had to go in for appointments because she had to donate and stuff like that. Or when I had to go in to be uh, tested and stuff yeah, as well. Move, and like, around. move them around, need to close a little bit earlier because it might be a day where we're going to see Carla after work in the garden for an hour because the hospital said she can come out for an hour. So everyone was so understanding that. Yeah, we'll move around because we know you haven't seen your sister in a few weeks. So go and see her and like the amount of presents and everything people sent in yeah. for Carla, like yeah. while she was going through, you know, like little gift sets with body lotions and, and stuff like that. So like we do, we have the best clients around. Yeah, really do. That's where the future is. The future yeah. is keep the business going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be, not, not bigger, but better. Always being better. Cancer free, fingers crossed. Well, yeah, absolutely. Cancer free now, are you? Yeah. 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 And she might... Come on board eventually in the salon. We'll see. <laughs> we'll keep bribing her. <laughs> so on that note, we leave it there, girls. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I, as I said, I, I do know your mum a long time and um, your story is just so beautiful. It's beautiful. You have a beautiful family. I'm I sure do. You, I'm very proud of them. Yeah, thank you very much. You really have. And your story is just so lovely. It's really lovely. Um, and I just wish you the best in, in the world, like in the future. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thanks thank for having you. us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Pleasure. It's been great. It's been brilliant. Thank you, Rebecca. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, 
turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.